My name is Georgiana. I am CEO and founder of BeagleCat, and soon you will be listening to Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. In this podcast, I regularly talk to employer branding managers, talent acquisition managers, and human resources managers in tech companies in Germany, Romania, and the US. For more content on employer branding-related themes, go to employerbranding.tech or beaglecat.com. Stay tuned! Good morning, everyone. Georgiana here with a new episode of Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast, the German season or the Germany season. Um, I'm talking today to someone who is based in Flanders most of the time and actually uh, whose, whose company is also based in Flanders, but who is present in Berlin as well. His name is Niels van de Kastele. I hope I pronounced the name correctly. You will tell me if I didn't. And he manages Sunday. And Sunday is a very important employer branding company. We can definitely uh, say this about it because it manages company merchandise. Niels, welcome on this podcast. Please introduce yourself and tell us exactly what your company offers. Thank you very much. Um, really happy to be here in the, in the podcast and give a bit of um, background on Sunday. So we are a merchandise company, um, premium merchandise company, mainly focused on clothing, branded clothing. And what we do for companies is we develop their internal fashion collections, as you can say it. So, so we design clothing, we produce clothing, and then we actually um, do global logistics. So we make sure that if a company has different locations or remote employees all over the world or fairs in all different locations that the clothing actually gets delivered there anywhere in the world in time in a couple of clicks so that's uh, what we do in, in in very specific terms why do we do it i think that that's even more important is that we really believe that um if people get uh, beautiful, good quality clothing from a brand or a company they believe in or they work in or they are a customer of, that they will actually prefer wearing this over traditional fast fashion, let's say, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's more meaning behind it. Um, and, and we really strongly believe that because we see it every day with our customers. And what we want to do is help organizations to, to make that happen, to make those, those fans, those people who identify with the company, that they can actually wear it and, and become the ambassadors they want to be. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, because in the few instances where I was hired in my life um, and I received good quality merchandise, I continued to use it even after I wasn't with the company anymore. Yeah. Because I love the bag or, you know, I love the, the book cover and it's uh, it's indeed it does create a sense of of belonging. And this is basically why you are on this podcast at the moment to discuss how uh, merchandise affects and influences employer branding and, and how it can create a sense of community. And um, I'm wondering, you guys are super famous in, in this uh, world of, of company merchandise. You've been doing it for quite a while. You've worked with many, many big names. I'm wondering, can you share with us how branded clothing creates a sense of community in an organization? Let's talk about yours, if you feel that this is the best example. But in general, I'm looking to understand 
from your experience, how do people perceive good quality branded merchandise? Yes, I would love to. Um, so first of all, we are social beings. So it is in our nature to belong somewhere. We look for these connections. Um, it's just how humans are. And what, what we've seen is that, and this is a bit of history then, if you go back, let's say, 50 years, um, your need for community or your need for connection was fulfilled by the village you lived in or the, the group of people you lived around or the different hobbies you might have. Um, but we've seen that the jobs of people and the, the, the companies of people have taken a bigger and bigger role inside their lives. Even with everybody working from home, it's like now you work where you live. So every day you, you, yeah, it's, it's a part of your life. And people are looking also more and more towards companies to fulfill that need of community. So they want to connect with their colleagues for, for a common vision or a common goal. It's something people crave from their employer or from uh, the, the brands they buy. They want to belong to that group. They want to identify with that. And the, the most important thing that clothing does, if you look at, let's say, music or you look at sports or you look at um, um, the, the, the gaming industry, for example, like, like esports, like if you look at all these communities, they all have a certain part of clothing of showing the world where they belong to, what they stand for, what their values are. And clothing has always done this. Um, and the big difference is that people used to look for it outside of the place they worked because they went in, did the job, went home, and then lived their lives, basically. And now it's, it's become so much interwoven that people also look for that belonging uh, inside the company. And that's why you can all almost see it as the merchandise collection as a football team would do or as a or as a music band would do but the company uh, provides it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and would you say there is i mean for sure there is but what is exactly the connection between brand marketing and employer branding and how do you integrate the two within the same company um and for the same for me, it's actually um, employer branding is at the core of brand marketing um, because it all starts with the people um, and, and the brand or the customer experience or whatever you call it or whatever uh, direction you want to go. Um, it all starts and ends with the people in the company who are servicing the clients, who are doing the communication, who are breathing the vision. So this means that the brand and the people are always interweaved. They are just connected. They, are, they, are, they can't live without each other. And employer branding is just um, a focus of the brand strategy where you put your internal people at the center of the communication. That, that's how I like employer branding. So it's not the brand of the company only like you have to work here because it's a nice logo 
but you've seen the most successful employer branding com- campaigns put the people who already work there at the center. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, and they start from there. And to be honest, if, if your current employees are not your ambassadors, I think it's better to first fix that and then start at communicating more. But if you can already make your people who are there that they are proud of working there, you give them the tools to show it, and it could be merchandise or it could, it could be something else, um, they, they actually start generating these conversations. They start generating these honest conversations because um, you doing a big marketing campaign is just one direction. Somebody having a conversation with a current employee that, that I always like to give the, the example of, let's say you, you, you have kids and you're on a, on a football match the Saturday afternoon and you're there in your company hoodie, for example, and, and mm-hmm. you're just supporting the team and you're, you're looking at the, at the football match and suddenly it's half time and, and somebody starts talking to you and asks a question about your hoodie, like, okay, um, what, what, what's this company? How, how, why are you wearing a hoodie for, from company X I don't, or I don't know this brand and it looks like a nice fashion brand. I don't know it, but it starts the conversation and we've actually did, did um, a scientific study with, with the big company in Belgium, with NMBS, like the National uh, Railway Association. And, and we saw that uh, over 80% of people uh, was approached multiple times on what they were wearing. So it actually started the conversations. And I think if you're doing employer branding, or you want to attract people to your company that the conversations with the people already working there or preferably the happy people already working there is the strongest tool um, in your belt. Indeed, indeed it is. And whenever we work on uh, reinforcing or, you know, creating an employee value proposition or, you know, we, we try to pin down exactly what the employer brand of the company is, we always towards the end have the stage in which we activate the brand. And this is where the the personalized merchandise um, comes into place. And especially if it's well made, like I said, people are going to wear it. They're going to, you know, vouch for you as a company by wearing it outside of the office. And this is truly fantastic. I'm, I'm wondering, do you have a project in mind which was really special to you, where you feel that, I don't know, maybe you personally or you as a professional learned a lot. You at Sunday, the whole team thought, this is the it project for us. This is the project where we enjoyed working on the most or where we had the biggest impact. What would it be if you were to think about it? Um, I think I almost would refer back to the NMBS case, to the, to the big case. And why do I like this one? It's because we work for a lot of really cool brands like uh, that everybody looks up to. And the, the remark we often get is, well, employer branding is super easy if you're Zalando or if you're TikTok. Yeah, then it's easy. Everybody wants to work there. Right. Um, yeah. So, so and, and they have a point. Or we work for a lot of like uh, uh, popular drinks like Johnny Walker or Duvel. If you like Flanders, maybe you know Duvel, the beer. Yeah, um, yes, I do. So these are super popular brands. And if you create merchandise around these brands, then of course it will be popular. Um, and, and what we had with NMBS is that they are not the coolest brand in the world. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's the railway. So, and everybody's always complaining about the railway. It's just something that happens. And 
So that was for us the challenge. If merchandise could change, like cool, good-looking, fun merchandise could change the perception of the brand. Like, can a boring brand become better when they do cool merchandise? That was like the challenge. That was the idea. Um, and we also, that's why we did the scientific study, because we want the hard data on this. We wanted to see if, if it was actually true. And why were we so enthusiastic is because we were just flabbergasted by the results. It was mm -hmm. incredible. So I already told you, like, okay, more than 80% got approached. So not looked at you, but actually started a conversation, like, why are you wearing, like, a beanie of the NMBS? Like, why are you wearing that? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the mm -hmm. first thing. And then um, the first reaction we always get, yeah, but it were probably negative reactions. It was probably people laughing, because the, the main joke, and even somebody said it in the newspaper, like, because it was a big article that, that NMBS did a fashion collection and um, what, what, uh, what the, one of the uh, experts gave feedback uh, and he actually apologized to me later on uh, for saying that. He said like, oh, this is something I'm going to gift to my friends who are always late. Like a, a little <laughs> um, Nice. So this, this was just to show you the perception, like, okay, NMBS always late and so on. But what we saw is that 98% um, of these conversations were mainly positive or exclusively positive. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what was perceived as a more negative brand uh, actually got uh, positive reactions on the cool clothing. So that was a really valuable project for us. The second thing we actually tested because it was in a split group first group was uh, internal and the other group was external. We also tested the effects on um, employee engagement. Mm -hmm. So, so we, they, they had a test of, of two years ago and then they matched it with the group who got merchandise. They, they matched it with the group who didn't got merchandise. Then we split that up again in the people who wear it often and the people who don't wear it often. And what we saw is that uh, the group that wear it often actually scored a lot higher on all points regarding employee engagement, um, where the biggest one was uh, brand ambassadorship. So they scored from, the average was 6.7 on 10, and they went to 8.4. Uh, wow. So that was for us the first time, like, like the hard data, because we were looking for it for a long time already, like studies being shown, and there were studies on uniforms and the effect of... Um, yep. Right. wearing something and then identifying with it. There were like these, these tests with it, but there was nothing in merchandise, like effective hard data on this. Uh, so we were, we knew from our gut feeling it was going to be good, but we didn't expect it was going to be that good. Nice. It uh, reminds me of the few instances when I spoke uh, with, with my guests during the podcast, but not only, you know, about employer branding in areas other than tech. Mm. So it's really exciting for me, you know, whenever I hear about the Belgian railway system, for example, that they mm -hmm. uh, not only do they work on their employer brand, but they manage to increase employee engagement. This is like, oh man, if they could only write a case study and then publish it and 
promote it, sponsor it, so that as many tech companies can see it and you know follow the example because many times they are doing a much better job mm. at it than companies in tech. It's fantastic, I find. It is. It is the they have to work harder and they have to if if you look at the the level of professionalism at these companies uh you can only be impressed like i saw the questionnaire they asked like this is structurally every two years there were like 300 questions statistically built yeah. like really looking at the data what can we do with that and then and then taking actions on that and and yeah, there, there's something we we always think that in tech we are the most progressive. But if you look at company structures and company organization, I think these these businesses who have been around for for 40, 50, maybe 100 years often have, mm -hmm. have a, a lot stronger foundations. Yes, I I think you're right. I think you know there's a sense of or a sort of arrogance if you'd like, in this tech bubble in which we like to think that, oh, you know, we're the most progressive and we have the most resources and the most means. And, you know, we're very spoiled when we work in tech. <laughs> and like, yeah, I, I think you're entirely right. There are industries from which we could definitely learn and we could, you know, just look a little bit elsewhere mm -hmm. and learn how people in other industries are conducting studies or, you know, training their employees because I think, yeah, in the end, if you're multidisciplinary, this is uh, this is where you make a difference. It's because I read this book recently called Range, mm -hmm. and it talks exactly about that. I can definitely recommend it to everyone listening to the podcast, where apparently you get the best decisions if you're sort of informed from a multitude of sources or if you know your uh, background or, um, yeah, your expertise is not unilateral. You know, mm -hmm. so I think, yeah, I think this could be interesting as well. Um, I'm wondering, because we're, we're going through very interesting, let's not call them tough, interesting economic times. <laughs> what, what has your, um, your feeling been these last few months with the organizations that you've worked with? Have you seen cases where they managed to retain their people or I don't know, to maybe even fire people, but in a very graceful way? And that's not not affecting their um, company brand. Um, have you seen companies that haven't, that weren't as successful at doing that? Or you know, what's what's your idea about what's happening right now economically? It's been um, a really strange um, couple of months. I would say it started last summer, um, mm -hmm. and and the strange thing is that we're on. And if I if I can see it for, for Flanders, definitely for Germany, it's also the same. Like on the one hand, we have this really strong war for talent and right. all companies looking for talent and not finding it. And on the other hand, there's like uh, uh, economical challenging times and you see these companies um, and, and actually it's not that bad. So, so, if you also look at the hard data, it's a lot less worse than 2009, for example. But I think mm -hmm. the media Indeed. coverage is just is just a lot bigger. Um, we see that companies who have been struggling the last five years to attract talent um, are a, a lot less reluctant to let them go uh, because they had to fight so hard to find them. Oh, yeah. Um, Indeed. 
and it's it's I see a lot of these 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 big companies um, instead of doing cuts, for example, looking at other ways to go through this because yeah. the people they hired and trained are so much more valuable than let's say 15 years ago where the market yeah. where just it was a employer's market and now it's an employee's market and um, mm-hmm. and you can just see that that people look completely different towards employees and team members it's shifted a lot in the last 15 years where where yeah where, where it, it has become the most important asset and companies are also acting like that right um yeah but uh in tech, definitely, as, as you've also noticed, there, there has been a lot of, um, well, if, if the business model is based on funding round after funding round and that next funding round stays out, then there's not yeah. much you can do, basically. Um, yeah. And that's that's the, that's the trend we've, we've all seen that if you look at the last two years, there was a lot of funding every day. There were big announcements and now it's a lot less Um Oh yes, there's definitely much less money in in companies right now. Much much less funding than there used to be a few months ago, six months mm-hmm. ago even. And I think I think you know, as someone who's actively looking for a job, because I am, I've I've started again because the market was so weird for a long time that I uh, I decided not to do it after mm-hmm. I was fired by a position. I think we all understood we don't want to be in these startups. Or we should, I don't know, try to avoid, I personally do, these startups that are in hyper growth, mm-hmm. that are high like crazy, because then you're going to be the first one to leave. Yeah. But then my personal experience with a company who was well-established and who made lots of profits, they decided that it's tricky business to open a new office in Berlin. So they fired, okay, we weren't many, we were only five in the Berlin office. But after having plans to hire 200 people in year one and 200 people in year two and creating the context for all that, then they terminated us all. So, you know, on the one hand, you have the you have these startups and then you have these established companies mm-hmm. that take the same type of decisions that in the end you're like, oh, okay, what is this economic context and how do managers managers base their decisions it's really weird and i'm really you know i'm I'm really curious to see where this takes us and how the market looks like because it all feels very dormant in germany mm-hmm. really weird. i've been here for five years already and i think it's the first time that i can say it's it just it feels asleep completely yeah you know yeah everybody's in weird. a waiting position everybody's yeah. um well you can, we, we, we do have a lot of clients that, that now want to push through these projects where it was always too busy to do them. Um, yeah. So that's good. But you see that certainly in Q2 that people are more in a waiting position that um, mm-hmm. just decisions don't get made. Um, yeah. And that's quite strange. You could say deals get cancelled or you lose deals, more deals, but that's not the case. It's just they take longer to decide and, and everybody's a bit looking at each other and um, we, we expect and hope for a, it will be a domino effect that one party will decide and it, it starts flowing again uh, smoothly. But it has been improving. We can see it. Uh, I think April was uh, very, very slow in decisions. 
and then May is already picking up again a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's double. You have to be able to really show the ROI of what you're doing and yeah. how it's bringing long-term value. And, and that's also, I would say, challenging the company again to look sharper, to be smarter, to be not too relaxed, like everything's going smoothly. It's, it's like, okay, yeah. how can we put ourselves on the map again, a bit sharper and a bit more? Because we actually, uh, if I look three years ago, we were mainly selling to marketing departments, like fairs mm -hmm. and customer things and, and so on. And then we had like a 180 towards HR departments, like war for mm -hmm. talent, people is most important, culture, we really need to hire, we need to pop out. And then that shifted again last year to kind of nobody knowing what to do. And we've seen now yeah. in this year that it's again shifted towards marketing. So all the all the resources are going like, okay, now we have the team, let's get the business through the door. Um, that's we're a bit lucky that that we have those both departments to to serve. Um, but but we can always see how many of the budget goes to HR and how many goes to the to the marketing. And we've really seen a shift way more to marketing and less to HR than than let's say a year ago. Okay, um, if we were to talk a little bit about employee or, you know, candidate experience, yeah. how is or what is your take on onboarding or how can someone in HR make use of merchandise, for example, when thinking about onboarding or, you know, in general for a successful onboarding? Okay, so there are two things I think in, in onboarding that, um, that you need to cover as, as an HR uh, department first one is the hard knowledge basically making sure that somebody can do their job so learn to work with the erp uh, get to know the processes get to know the product whatever the job is that's, that's the first thing of onboarding where you have all these courses for and so on the second thing is actually more of the the soft uh, experience and actually make sure that people and feel good at the company and immediately feel at home and immediately feel part of the team and feel uh, welcome because changing uh, jobs is very stressful. Most people maybe do it once or twice in their lives, maybe three times. Nobody does it 50 times. Um, so it's it's exciting always a bit it is uh, people are a bit nervous of course in the in the interview process you've seen the best the best of the company and then you're a bit uh, yeah, what what can i expect and then we've seen that um sending for example an onboarding box with some merchandise with a cool hoodie or a backpack and, and some socks or, or something fun with a bit of explanation on how that first day or first week is going to go uh, is a really valuable step for the for the employee because it says two things. It's first first is we didn't forget you, so we know you are coming. We didn't forget you on your first day, and you're super welcome here. Uh, you're immediately part of the team, and I think that's something that really increases retention rates 
in the first three months. Actually, it does. And do you know what? It's a process and a part of the interviewing process that is so much overlooked and so much neglected. You have no idea. The company presents itself as very flashy and uh, glitzy during the first stages. And then when onboarding comes, you'd be surprised at how many companies don't even have a process in place, you know, like three steps on a piece of paper mm. in, in, in Google Drives, Google Drive for, for the person that's about to join the company. It's unbelievable. And we're, we're publishing an article on this topic tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. And we've interviewed some of our favorite companies um, on this topic. And I'm really happy that I have your uh, input as well, because I, I really feel HR departments should take much better care mm. of how they onboard employees. Yeah, even from, let's say, a pure business financial perspective, it just makes sense because they did invest a lot of time, resources, marketing resources, yeah. recruitment, whatever, to get that person through the door and then mm. just right. make sure that those first four to six weeks are amazing. And, yeah. and not only for the person, because they will deliver faster results, they will, they will be able to, to, to work. The, I, I once worked at the, before we started Sunday, I worked at a, at a big company and, um, uh, it was a good onboarding, so it, it was not a problem there. But their expect expectance was that I would be able to do my job after 14 months. So that okay. was what they expected. <clears throat> but that's not realistic anymore. Or maybe for a very big company it is. But for if you look at even a, a company going fast, even in tech or, or whatever, you need to that's be forever. up and running in weeks, not in, not in years. Uh, and then an onboarding is, is crucial. And it's also, I think, about the fact that those, for me personally, that first day or those two, three first days in the beginning, they make it or break it. They decide whether I want to stay in the company or not. And it's like, you know, you meet someone new for the first time in your life, you, or you go to their place, you know, it's about how you're being greeted or how you perceive them in the very beginning. Yep. If you're left waiting for hours before someone gets in touch with you on the, on the new company computer, you know, or the computer doesn't work or there's no one to get in touch with. It's uh, yeah, I think it can generate very different outcomes in the long run. Exactly. And, and people are always a bit skeptic about, did I make the right decision? Was yep. this, was this the right move for me? And, and if you give them too many reasons to doubt. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're bound to leave the first mm -hmm. offer they get. That's true. That's true. Cool. Uh, we are approaching the end of this very interesting discussion. And I want to end this podcast by asking how involved you are personally as a leader in your organization's employer brand. I would say uh, extremely involved. Um, and this means that uh, my co-founder and I still meet every candidate uh, in the final round before somebody gets hired. This means mm -hmm. that um, we give a lot of onboarding trainings personally 
Um, we believe that we're, we're around 60 people now. And we did have the whole tech vibe and idea and scaling fast and growing fast. And um, at some point, our board basically said to us, like, guys, you're only with 60 people. You can still manage to get to know yeah. them, build a small relationship. You caring yeah. is super valuable and you put in a bit of effort and it's a bit of time but being yeah. there being addressable helping people personally with a question and um, we, we have a, an employee in germany gurkem really really cool guy he joined in in january and after his onboarding we all we also have always feedback on the onboarding from from everybody and he said it was the first time that uh, the ceos were so involved like you could directly yeah. chat with the CEO and ask like, okay, I'm stuck with this. Can you help me? And, and mm -hmm. this is something uh, we didn't do this on purpose. This has always been our style, but we, we kind of became aware that it was a big advantage. So we are, we are very involved. Yeah. Well, that's very valuable leadership practice right there. I mean, I, I know it gets hard at some point. I see it with my husband's company who's, quite quite big and uh, I, I see and I understand that it gets very hard to meet people personally but I know how important it is mm -hmm. so yeah as, as long as you guys manage to to continue doing it it's it is I think the highlight of someone's onboarding I can definitely vouch for that okay that's good uh, good feedback and it's something we also enjoy uh at the end of the day, it's, it's the people you work with every day. So, so the least you can do is, is get to know them and, and be, be available for them as they, as they also spend their eight or nine or 10 hours with you basically. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, no, that's, that's why it's super valuable because during the course of this podcast, we've touched on leadership buy-in so many times and, you know, with, with CEOs and HR managers and HR directors in companies of different sizes. So it's, it's important, you know, to get feedback from, from people such as you, because then that, that encourages similar companies and people in, people in similar roles to uh, proceed the same way or to maybe, you know, talk to, to the CEO in a big company to maybe just arrange a tiny slot at some point to meet the new employee. I don't know. Or maybe the, the new five employees or the new 10 employees every once in a, in, in six months or four months, because even, even so makes a huge difference. For sure. Exactly. Great. Super nice. Niels, thank you so much for uh, talking to me this morning. I've enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure everyone will. Um, it hasn't been just about merchandise and, and I'm, I'm super happy about it. And I wish you the best of luck growing the team and the brand. Thank you very much. It's uh, at the end of the day, we might be in the merchandise business, but we're actually in the people business. And, and right. It's, it's the product is important at the end of the day, what we deliver is important, but what it creates is way more important. And that's something we, we try to, to get out more. And at the end of the day, if you, if you're a founder or a marketing manager or, or an HR manager and you, you, you're, you're at the bakery in the weekend in the morning, because I had a story like that. And there's somebody of your team 
wearing the company outfit there on their Saturday or their Sunday, which the name comes from, um, that gives an amazing feeling. Like, mm -hmm. okay, we, we yeah. built something people want to belong to. And I think that that's the strongest, um, the strongest feeling we, we can, we can help provide. I know. And it's, it's one of the most valuable. And I will close this by saying that my, um, my daughter, who's almost seven, was extremely happy to receive this hoodie from my husband's company, this personalized hoodie. And I was thinking, you know, maybe it's, it's not as much of a logistical effort for the people in HR who manage that, but oh my God, the happiness they created. And mm. oh my gosh, so eager to take this hoodie to school every day because it's from Papa's company. And yeah, you know, it, it, it is about people in the end and it is about putting a smile on their face. And uh, yeah, I wish more companies would understand it because it does make a difference. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Niels. Take care. All the best. Thank you very much. You too. Have a great day.